Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, all you pet people out there, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. Now in our second week at our new home here at KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I hope your weekend is starting out well. Now for those of you who followed us over here, you are acquainted with my Orange County Register partner in crime, Marianne Dell. We write all the pet columns for the paper, and we've both been doing that since the 1990s. One of the things I love about Marianne is that she is an avid reader and plows through books and then lets me know if they're worth reading. So I've harnessed her abilities for the show, and about once a month she stops by and gives some really entertaining reviews about the best animal books out there. So if you love to read and you love animals, then you're going to love the segments we do with Marianne Dell. And you are in luck because she'll be stopping by the pet place in just a few minutes. After our halftime break, we'll be speaking with someone very special who has a really fun event coming up. So stay right where you are and we'll get started after a quick message here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is our esteemed Pet Place book reviewer, Marianne Dell. Good morning, Marianne. How are you? Good morning, Marie. I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing very well, too. Thank you. And I understand that you've had some time to review books for us. I did. Yay. And we're back to kids' books, too. These oh. are all pretty much children's books. Oh, well, that's good. You know what? I, I, I'm I, not embarrassed to admit this, but I love kids' books about animals. I do, too. And I'm so glad I have a grandson now that I can read them, too, so that I can make excuses for why I'm reading them. Well, here's the... See, I know I have the same excuse. I have to read them to review them. It's great. <laughs> And what's really cool is these are all books that not only can you read to your grandson, but you can both learn from them. Because you will learn something from each of them, too. Oh, good. Well, let's talk about the first one. It's called Dogs on Duty, Soldiers' Best Friends on the Battlefield and Beyond. Yeah, I, I love this book. You know, we've all come to realize over the past few years, I think especially since 9-11, how important dogs are in fighting the various fights we fight around the globe, and not just militarily, but we use them for search and rescue. Mm-hmm. They're in airports everywhere sniffing out counterfeit materials, not just drugs and explosives, but also fruits, vegetables, that type of thing that aren't supposed to be brought into a country or an area. Right, and they even will sniff out illegal wildlife importation. They, yes, they can do amazing, amazing things with their noses. And this book talks about war dogs, military working dogs as we call them today. They weren't Mm -hmm. always called that. And gives a lot of background on how they're trained for the various things they do, including jumping out of helicopters, landing in open water, and swimming miles to land. How do they train dogs to do that? I think it would be so frightening. Well, they have to train them, first of all, to get used to the equipment, 
the doggles that they put on them, the heavy packs, parachutes, because the dogs do wear their own parachutes. Mm-hmm. Um, getting used to, I'm sure they act, I don't know all the details, but I'm sure they acclimate them to the water by, you know, having them like the water. All of the methods that I've read about recently that are now being used with the military are positive reinforcement. So they're not training the dogs to be afraid to do the wrong thing, but they're training them to love doing what they need to do. Oh, that's great. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. And, you know, as far back as even the war in Vietnam, they were sniffing out things like tripwires. Mm-hmm. And God only knows what's on a tripwire that dogs could smell them, but it couldn't be their eyesight. It had to be their noses that were sniffing those things out. Maybe it was the human scent on them. That's amazing. They were sniffing out Viet Cong in their underground tunnels, which our troops couldn't see mm-hmm. and therefore couldn't know about. Um, but to get back to the training, and then I believe they probably have them jump off platforms, first not wearing the gear, then wearing the gear. Uh, and eventually dropping out of low-flying helicopters or planes and gradually working up to jumping out of high-flying planes at at whatever altitudes they get dropped at. You know, even if I was uh, trained using positive reinforcement, I don't think I'd do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be too scared. It would have well, as we always say with with when you're training dogs, it has to be something they like, not what you think you should like. And I suppose for the right amount of money, I might be coerced into doing that. But it would have to be a pretty big reinforcement. <laughs> One million dollars yeah, per jump. That might do it. Per jump. Okay. <laughs> but you know, dogs love to play, and of course, they they do tend most of the dogs in these programs, not all. And maybe I shouldn't even say most, but a lot of them are through breeding programs that are that are handled by the military on specific mm-hmm. bases. And they use breeds that are really, really high drive, dogs that love to work to play tug. Malinois are real common. Um, a lot of shepherds, you know, herding herding breeds, although mostly shepherds, uh, some labs. And they're they're all dogs that have a very high drive to to hunt, to play to seek things and tell their handlers about it and what's what's really cool in this book that i that i love is for each of the wars since world war one the author picks out um what she calls the hero hound and it goes back to you might be familiar with stubby he was a world war one dog one of the first military working dogs and he was a pit bull Ah, I mm-hmm. remember that. Okay. Back in the days when pit bulls had a good reputation for being tenacious and happy to work with humans and, mm-hmm. and very well socialized with people. Right, right. Yeah. And a lot of these dogs that are highlighted have, of course, saved lives. Um, Definitely. You know, in, in World War One, they used to uh, position dogs in the foxholes with the troops, and they would stand yeah. guard. You know, they, I mean, they could they could snooze, and of course, the least little scent or sound um, or disturbance in the environment would alert a dog, who would immediately wake up and alert its handler. That is amazing. I didn't realize they were down in the trenches. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's interesting. It's yeah, it's it's very it's it's just amazing. And of course, we all know what the dogs did after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And I sort of thought, given that we're in that month of remembering. Um, this was an appropriate book because we had an awful lot of hero dogs on that day who did Absolutely. search and rescue work. 
Now, you're saying this is a children's book? Well, it sounds very interesting. It sounds like a book that everybody would want to read. I would say it's a book that anybody can learn from. And honestly, for a very young child, no. This isn't this isn't something you would sit and read to your grandson right now. Okay. He's more on the Go Dog Go level. Yes. And I've got a couple of those coming up. <laughs> okay. Um, but it is something that uh, an advanced elementary reader or a high-grade elementary reader, a junior high reader, even a... Even a high school reader, it's formatted like a children's book, but there's an awful lot of type to it. It's not a picture book. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I learned a lot reading it, and I've read a lot about military working dogs. Okay, and this is by Dorothy Henshaw Patent. Correct. And it sells for about sixteen ninety nine. Yes. Excellent. Well, let's move on to your next book. It's okay. called Zooborn's Cat. Okay, now this is one you can read to your grandson. And again, I wouldn't necessarily read it word for word, and I'd skip the introductions. But this book has tons of pictures of the most adorable wild cats. Oh. And they're all kittens. Oh. So they, they, and there's some that look exactly like, almost exactly like domestic cats. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard to tell the difference. In fact, it's funny, there's one page... Oh, gosh, I don't remember what breed of cat it was, but there's uh, a mama cat and some kittens. And I looked at it and I said, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a wild cat that looked so much like a regular good old tabby cat as that one. Well, it actually turns out it was a good old tabby cat who had been brought in to foster some kittens (laughs) whose mother was no longer with them. So it was a domestic cat that was fostering wild kittens. Yep. Oh, very interesting. And these are all pictures. They're they're all pictures. They have information. And, again, this is where I learned a lot as an adult reader, Um, some breeds I'd never heard of. Um, And there's information about conservation efforts. Oh, good. These are all – the author is very, very big into conservation. In fact, part of the sales goes to the Conservation Endowment Fund, which is part of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Oh, excellent. That's and good to know. The the animals in the book are all at zoos or um, sanctuaries of some kind, mm-hmm. um, but they're all facilities that are aimed at conserving. And some of these animals, their um, level, uh, the threat level to their species is listed with every one. Mm-hmm. And some of them have fewer than 100 known examples of the species living in the wild. Wow, that's scary. And yeah. it's so good to know that there's zoos and sanctuaries that are helping these animals out and trying to preserve them for future generations. Yes. And I know, again, even though this is a book that I could enjoy with my grandson, I bet older people can enjoy it as well, because who doesn't love a cute kitten? Well, and not only that, but they've written a couple of other Zooborns books, and they have a website. Oh, what's that? So it's zooborns.com. Okay. And I... I got to go on there and look at the canine wild youngsters. That's right. You are more of a dog Which, person. of course, was, yes, you know. <laughs> Me I'm and more my, of a cat person. My love of dogs. Yeah. I like the cats, but I do love my dogs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's penguins, there's aardvarks, kangaroos, virtually anything. There was an example on the homepage when I logged in of a tiny little antelope species. And I don't think these babies were more than about six inches tall. Oh, my gosh. Sounds adorable. You could just do cute overload on the website. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so again, that's just eleven ninety nine, and part of the funds go towards conservation, and that yes. is just wonderful. Yes. Let's talk about your next book. Okay. First Dog's White House Christmas. <laughs> yes, this is about our friend Bo ah. and his life in the White House at the holidays. Mm-hmm. And when he finds out there's a White House Christmas gathering and he hears, invite your friends, he sneaks a little potograph invitation onto everyone to uh, all the ambassadors' dogs. Ah. And this one's definitely written more at a younger child level, and you could read the book to a youngster. And there's there's the different dogs that come from the different countries. Um, there's, a, of course, a poodle from France, a ridgeback from South Africa, um, an affenpinscher from Germany, Newfoundland from Newfoundland. <laughs> Uh, you can you can learn a little bit about these different countries and areas and their cultures because they each bring a representation of what's done at the holidays in their land. Oh, how fun! So we learned about you know the Bush Noel. Um, I think it's Germany that has a glass pickle that gets put on every Christmas tree, and whichever child in the family can find the glass pickle on Christmas morning gets a special gift. Did you say a glass? Pickle yes, with a pea? It's, yes, it's a pickle, pickle-shaped pickle tree ornament. <laughs> well, that's and interesting. I, actually, I don't think that is Germany, because I think Germany is the Bouche de Noel, if I remember my German classes correctly. Okay. okay. Um, but, you know, it's, the paintings are lovely. Um, they're very cute, and they're very realistic. And the book completely focuses on Bo, although it's interesting. For some reason, the authors chose not to use his name. Until the very end of the book, he's just called Dog, and the other dogs are referred to not by name but by their breed. And so it's it's I guess you know the generic aspect of it is it could it could be long lived. Okay, you know. Well, that sounds adorable. And and again, how much is this one? This one is fifteen ninety five. Fifteen ninety five. Well, you brought a great batch of books, and it's always so fun talking with you, Marianne. Thanks for stopping by today. You betcha, Marie. We'll have more next time. Great. Okay. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, we have some pretty exciting news about a special event. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show and here now to talk about an annual pet event that is both fun and informative is Susan Keys from the SoCal Animal Response Team. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so happy that you've come back to the show. You know, we've moved to a brand new location. It's a sister station of K-Mozart. It's K-Jazz. And you used to always come out to the pet place when we were at K-Mozart, and I'm glad that you followed us over here to K-Jazz. Well, thank you for inviting me back. And I wanted to talk about your big event that's coming up, but before we get into that, let's introduce all of the K-Jazz listeners to what the SoCal Animal Response Team is. Well, we're a nonprofit Southern California animal response team, and our goals are to educate the public in disaster preparedness for their family and including their pets. That's and we would be providing assistance to animals affected in a disaster. Excellent. And I know in the past you used to call yourself the Surf City Animal Response Team. Why did you change your name? 
We have members in Orange County, Los Angeles, San Bernardino, and Santa Barbara, and the name SoCal is better representation of our current membership. Okay, okay, that makes sense. It's just I was kind of attached to Surf City. <laughs> we still have the dog on the surfboard. Excellent, excellent. And aside from your disaster preparedness and helping out in an emergency if you have to, do you provide any kind of training to volunteers or to pet owners to to teach them what to do? We actually will go out and do presentations to the public on disaster preparedness for families and their pets. And we also have training programs. If it's something that we can open up to the public, we always make the public aware of those types of classes. It might be just basic animal sheltering in a disaster or what you need to do for your pet in the event of a disaster. And that's always good information. I really try and promote that as much as possible because you never know when a disaster is going to hit and and we talk about it as much as possible and everybody always says, I'm going to be prepared, I'm going to have everything good to go, and then they don't do it. Yeah. What, what would you say to people like that? Well, you just have to remind them that you can't, you never know when a disaster is going to happen. It can be something as simple as an accident on the freeway where they have to evacuate. The earthquakes that we all know are just around the corner. It can be any type of event at any time. So you always have to plan and be ready, and then you don't have to sit and worry about it. Right, and it could even be just a very localized situation, too, like your own home could catch on fire and suddenly you have no place to live. And you have no supplies for your pets. Right. So I really want to encourage everybody out there, if you haven't done so already, please make all preparations necessary to take care of your pets because they can't take care of themselves. They're relying on you. What other assistance do you offer the general public and to local resources? What, what do you do? Well, what we would also do when we're not educating the public, which is our primary goal, is providing assistance if temporary sheltering has to be set up in the event of a disaster. And that could be something that's set up close to the human shelter. It can be in a different location. It could be backup support at another facility, say an animal control facility, you know, that just needs the backup assistance. We're, we're there for whatever assistance is requested. Well, let me step back a little bit to what you said. Are animals not allowed at human shelters? No, they're not. For health and safety issues, they're not allowed in the shelter unless it is a service animal. I thought that all changed after Katrina. I thought because so many animals were separated from their owners that they did start allowing animals to come in as long as they were in crates or were secured. Well, the Red Cross shelter still does not allow pets, but you'll find that they'll have animal shelters set up right next door so the owners can go over and care for their animals and visit with their animals. Okay, so you don't have to be too far away and you can make sure that your pet is getting everything it needs, including medication and the yep. right kind of food and that sort of thing, and and also ease its worry because I'm sure it's a pretty stressful time for animals. And for the owners, it provides comfort to them if they can care for their pets. They're not worried about where their pets are. That's great. And a lot of what you do requires some funds. This is a nonprofit organization. You're staffed by volunteers, right? Correct. So what do you do in terms of fundraising? Well, we rely on fundraisers and donations to support our team and our efforts. And what kind of fundraisers do you normally do throughout the year? 
Well, this year we actually did a garage sale for the first time, but we have our annual pet fair every year, and that's going to be our eighth annual pet fair. Well, um, I can't believe it's been eight already. I know. We're, <laughs> we're kind of excited. It's going to be Sunday, September 29th at Marine Stadium Park in Long Beach. Oh, so it's real local. That's so fun. What, what, a, what are all the things that you're going to be planning for the day? We're going to have a doggy talent contest. There will be microchipping available. The $20 includes the registration, which we will handle the paperwork there the day of. We have canine disc thrills. going to see some entertainment. We actually have two food vendor trucks that will be coming in and a variety of pet products and disaster preparedness for humans. So it will be a very diversified group. And then we have our raffles every year where you can win prizes. Wow. You mentioned something that caught my attention, a talent show for dogs. What are you expecting? And did you do this last year? I I can't remember. No, we did a dog walk last year. This is Actually, we've tried a talent contest before, but it was the best disaster ready. This is just a general dog talent contest, and if you think your dog's talented, you can enter them. And we will have judging. Actually, Marianne Dell is one of our judges this year. Oh, outstanding. (laughs) We all love Marianne here at the Pet Place. She's a she's a very fair judge too. Although if you have a little dog, she might have a little bit of a bias. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to be doing personally? Are you going to be the master or the mistress of ceremonies? <laughs> I'm kind of the person who does a little bit of everything. I move to the different areas where there's assistance, helping the other team members setting up. I'm the one who drives the truck with all the supplies to get them from point A to point B. <laughs> oh, you're going to be very busy. <laughs> How long preparation goes into an event like this? Well, we plan, we start thinking about the fundraiser as soon as we're done with the fundraiser <laughs> each year. Uh, we start making arrangements the first of the year to reserve the park, and we're kind of partial to the Marine Stadium Park in Long Beach now, especially that's close to the water. That's a nice place to be. And mm-hmm. we pretty much start planning every year. You have to start finding vendors and donations. It's, it's kind of an ongoing thing. It's something that we work on, and as we get closer to the event, it becomes more of a full-time right. planning yeah. and organizing Do you need any volunteers to help you out with the event? We do. We actually put out a request for several other organizations, and we haven't heard anything from them yet, so we're hoping to get some added support to help sell the raffle tickets. There's so much that can be done at this event where it helps just to have a lot of people. So, How about some of our listeners, if they were interested in helping out? Is there a number they could call or a website they can visit to sign up? They can actually contact me. Or send me an email address. Okay, and how would they do that? Okay, my phone number is 714-349-1047. And you have an email address that you yes, can make public? U-E-K-E-Y at SoCal.RR.com. Well, I hope you get a lot of volunteers because it sounds like a very, very big task that you're uh, undertaking here. But it sounds also like a lot of fun. And you're going to be having adoptions there too? We actually have several rescue groups that will actually have pets there. I think what they do is process the paperwork initially and then they have to do the home visits and stuff. But, yes, we will have several rescues there. 
Do you happen to know which rescues are coming out this year? I think we have the Orange County Pitbull Rescue. I think we have a cat rescue. And off the top of my head, I can't think of what the other one is, but we do have three rescues. Outstanding. I'm really glad that you're having Pitbull Rescue out there because one of the great things that they do is they educate the public on all the myths that revolve around Pitbulls. And they just keep getting repeated and repeated and repeated on the media. It drives me crazy, and everybody just believes all these things. And the pit bull rescue people actually go out there, and they just throw those myths out the door because they have the sweetest dogs ever that they bring to these events. Oh, they do. And they, they really impress upon people that it's socialization and education that makes for a good pet, whether it's a chihuahua or a pit bull. No, I, I think they're wonderful dogs, and we look forward to them being at our event every year. That's wonderful. How many people came last year? Hard to say. I know we had over 200 people. Okay. And is parking difficult? No, actually, Marine Stadium Park has a very large parking lot. Is it pay to park, or is it free no, for the day? No, it's free. Oh, excellent. And what about admission to the event? No cost. That's free also. Well, well how do you make this into a fundraiser? Fundraiser are the vendors, the paid vendors, and our raffle. Oh, our raffles are okay. the biggest thing that we make our, you know, our our money off of. Okay. All the raffles we have assortment. We'll have tickets and baskets and an assortment of many things. Are you doing a silent auction also? We're not doing the silent auction this year. It's difficult to do one of those outside. Okay. So we're going to focus on just the raffle itself. Okay. Excellent. And if you had one thing that you'd want to tell everybody why they couldn't miss this event, why this is the event of the year that they have to attend, what would you say? Well, I think it's very important that they think about disaster preparedness, but we also want them to have fun that day. So while they're learning, they're also enjoying themselves. And September is National Preparedness Month, so this is the perfect month for us to be out doing our event. That, it, it, it is. I can't say enough good things about it and about your organization. And you've got the pet microchipping for $20. That includes registration. You have the best disaster-ready dog contest. Well, that's good to know. And microchipping is so good, especially in terms of disaster preparedness and emergency preparedness. So I'm glad that's still going on. And Susan, I wish you a very, very successful event. And I hope you have a great time, too. Well, thank you very much for inviting us on the show. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. One of my favorite things to do with my dogs is to go to doggy date night at Fred's Mexican Cafe. While it's still warm there, it's no better time to enjoy a lovely dinner with your canine companions in the outdoor setting of Fred's Mexican Cafe in Huntington Beach. Every Monday from 6 p.m. to midnight, when you order an entree, your four-legged friend receives a yummy doggy stew for free. So dress up your pup for a night on the town. For more information, call 714 
Taco or visit www.fredsmexicancafe.com. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.